Welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast, brought to you by Barclays. So much to get through, so little time. It's been a weekend of last-minute winners, sublime goals, a stunning comeback and a Spanish masterclass at the bridge. When a striker misses an easy early chance, many, many times he's affected for the rest of the game and it looks like that moment was the moment where Fernando told I will be the man of the match. Lucas Lever is confident Liverpool can continue their great run. We are a very good team that is difficult to beat as well, so we just hope that we will keep it like that and show we are a team that will be ready to compete until the end. And a Danish legend believes the English top flight just can't be matched wherever fans may be watching. I'm amazed at how enthusiastic and committed that people are to not only to Manchester United but to the Barclays Premier League as well. We speak exclusively to Manchester United legend Peter Schmeichel and Liverpool's midfield maestro Lucas Lever. A long-serving Sunderland fan tells us his reaction from the stands after Barini's last-minute winner in the derby. Plus we hear from Fernando Torres, Gus Poyet and Andre Villas-Boas. Hello and welcome to the official Barclays Premier League podcast. I'm Marcus Buckland and joining me to discuss all the issues from a stunning weekend in the English top flight is former Crystal Palace, West Ham and Southampton striker Ian Dowie. Hello Ian. Marcus. Quick one on your old team Palace. Of course they parted ways with manager Ian Holloway last week. Defeat to Arsenal leaves them bottom. Where do they go from here? It's a strange one, really, because I wonder whether Ian Holloway will look back and think he jumped too early. Obviously, you never know what goes on behind the scenes, but it's only eight games in. They weren't stranded, so it's interesting where they go. Clearly, the, the noises coming out are someone very experienced, but they're going to need to find goals from somewhere, and that's the real concern. I do, I do think they can grind out performances and maybe the old clean sheet, but it's whether they've got enough in the team to get goals, and Glenn Murray's proving to be a big loss. Yeah, well, they will hope the only way is up. More from Ian on Palace a bit later in the show. But first, uh, let's take a look at what is coming up with our new you are football advert thanking Barclays Premier League fans around the world we're giving this show a distinctly overseas feel we speak exclusively to Brazilian midfielder Lucas Lever about Liverpool's flying start to the season Manchester United's Danish legend Peter Schmeichel tells us about the impact of the Barclays Premier League on international fans and we hear from new Sunderland manager Gus Poet, Everton boss Roberto Martinez and Andre Villas-Boas of Tottenham And speaking of international stars, Spanish striker Fernando Torres has been making all the headlines after his last-minute goal against Manchester City to give Chelsea that 2-1 win at Stamford Bridge. The win keeps the Blues in second spot. City slipped down to seventh. The game itself, Ian, what a superb advert for the Barclays Premier League. Yeah, stunning advert. I mean, it started with Chelsea in rampant form. He thought they were going to run away with the game, but Chelsea uh, couldn't keep that momentum and Man City probably thoroughly deserved to get at least a point out of the game. But it was very into it probably three or four clear-cut chances each and just a superb all-round display of the quality of football particularly in the final third was very very entertaining now Silva I thought was probably the man of the match although he didn't get it Aguero was in peak of his power so Mourinho finds a way to win when he shouldn't and of course in the end it was decided by Torres' first league goal of the season he'd also set up Andre Schürrle for the opener he does appear to be a player with a point to prove at the moment he looks like a player who's, who's found that extra half a yard of pace he looks aggressive he looks purposeful he wants to run in behind defenders and attack them and that, that's something we haven't seen his body language was fantastic he was great in the air he was bristling with confidence and you know when you think he misses that guilt edge chance 
his response was fantastic and did get me off my seat when he scored the last minute win because I, I was pleased for him. Well, we'll hear from Jose Mourinho on Torres in a moment. First, the man himself. Uh, getting more confidence, having the chance to play in the, the last few games, scoring goals, so happy. If the manager wants me to keep playing well, if the main thing is the team win. Then we are improving as a team, all of the players, not just me. So hopefully Chelsea is just showing a few things of all the things he's capable of and at the end of the season maybe we can talk about a great team, great individualities and, and we are all happy. Fantastic performance, even better because it was built after an easy goal missed and that makes it even more valuable because when a striker misses an easy early chance, many, many times he is affected for the rest of the game and it looks like that moment was the moment where Fernando told I will be the man of the match. Yeah, interesting point from Mourinho, strength of character from Torres after missing that chance that you spoke about and as a striker I'm, I'm sure you can sympathise when you do miss a, a glaring open goal as it were, it can be very hard to get it back. Yeah, it, it can. I love this response because he didn't shirk he wanted to be the foremost front runner and he was I mean he shaded Aguero for me just about on the day and they're two outstanding forwards at the moment he's now got 13 Barclays Premier League assists for Chelsea mm. which is more than he had for Liverpool 12 what do you put it down to what has sparked this resurgence does the manager get the credit or does it have to come from the player ultimately well it has to come from the player ultimately he's, he's got to find a way to get his mojo back but I do think it was a possibility that he would be substituted I've got to say if they had have done it it'd been outrageous because you, you can't when a player's at the peak of his powers like he was you've got to leave him on I think he deserves credit for that and if he was to hit a run of goals he could well bring the uh, the title back well after conceding in the last minute through that defensive mix-up between Hart and Nastacic the city manager Manuel Pellegrini was asked if that was the worst way to lose a match I uh, no, I don't know if the worst, but one of the worst, uh, I think so, because I think we we play very well, especially second half. We have absolutely the control of, of the ball, but this game you must win with goal, and they score two goals. Plenty of debate after the winning goal. Whose fault was it, as far as you're concerned, Ian? One hundred percent, Joe Hart's fault. I mean, people talked about he, he called one, he called too late, and also the ball's coming over Nastasic's shoulder. There's forty-five thousand people there screaming. Nastasic can't clear it. He's got to watch the ball. He does exactly the right thing. If Joe Hart even stays on his line, he picks it up and it's a draw. So there's no doubt it's his fault. I do think you've got to stay with him. I wouldn't drop him. City have won only one of their five Barclays Premier League away matches. Is this becoming a little bit of an issue? Perception's a huge thing here. Can you imagine if that was Mancini? The daggers would be out for him. Because now everything's hunky-dory and he manages a different way, for me, he's got a real issue to address away from home. Their performance in the last two games was outstanding in terms of their football going forward, but they're not quite the force they were defensively. Of course, company was missing. But I did admire the way he adjusted his formation. I thought it was the right thing to do, and it clearly benefited him. And on another day, they could have won the game. But three defeats away from home already, I mean, that's, mm. that's worrying. So defensively, some issues. But you mentioned going forward, the likes of Silva and Aguero. They're always going to be a, a threat, aren't they, with those players around? Well, you're looking you know, outside the forces of nature that are Ronaldo and Messi in terms of goals. I'm not sure there's a better centre-forward. Aguero's right up there at the moment. I mean, what can he do? Plays on his shoulder, he's bright, he's intelligent. His work rate's fantastic. His finish is stunning because he hits it so early. His all-round impact for the team, he's now becoming as important as Yaya Torre and company. I really believe that. If they were to lose Aguero, I think they could maybe kiss goodbye to the Barclays Premier League. Interesting. Well, while Fernando Torres was the star of the show at Stamford Bridge, Luis Suarez again proved his worth at Anfield with a sublime hat-trick to help Liverpool brush aside West Brom 4-1. But manager Brendan Rodgers said the win was largely down to another South American player, midfielder Lucas Lever, who joins us now. Hello, Lucas. Hello. 
Well, the stats back up your manager there. You played more passes than any other player and you won more tackles than anyone else. You made it look easy on Saturday. Well, I think it was a good performance by the team, you know, and the system that Brandon wanted to play, I think it helped, especially the midfield where we could press a lot and uh, having the, you know, the, the defenders behind us so we, we could uh, only worry about uh, pressing and, and be higher on the pitch and, uh, and of course, so when we, we had the ball, I was in a row that I, I should be making angles all the time and try to feed the two advanced midfielders and, and, and of course the strikers, so yeah, I felt great and this season has is, is been very good for me so far. Well, it's a key role, of course. Uh, the Liverpool owner, John W. Henry, tweeted after the game, Luis, magician, just how good is Suarez? Well, I think he's he's showing everyone how good he is. Of course, he's getting better because he knows the league, he knows the players, and he's improving all the time. Last game was just one of the other games as well that he just showed how good he is, and and he got the award scoring three fantastic goals and uh, probably two headers that uh, people never expect that him to score in that way. Especially the second goal was a brilliant goal, and I think he he will only get better because he he works hard and uh, he wants to win all the time, and that's what makes him a special player. And uh, we know how important he is for the teams, and uh, we just hope he keeps going. Lucas Ian Dow here. Firstly, well done on Saturday. Oh, just a couple of little points. I was just asked, wondering whether there's a, a, a change in the way in which you, the role you play in the Brendan Rodgers side compared to other managers. And two, how much pressure do you feel given that it's a, such a competitive role within the Brazilian side? That area is very, very competitive, even within the Premier League to get in the squad. How much pressure do you feel to perform at the level you certainly did at the weekend? I think, uh, as you mentioned, uh, to be back in Brazil squad, uh, you know, was the case to me to play well for the club. That's what's happened. I think Scolari watched a lot of games and uh, he said uh, he was very pleased the way I was playing for the club, for Liverpool. And then that's why he brought me back uh, to the squad. So it, well, you always have to play well because uh, we know how many players I compete for that place. And uh, in terms of the, my role um, in Liverpool, it depends how many defenders we have really because when you have uh, three defenders you really don't worry too much about the two strikers because always they have three for two so I will be worried more about pressing and you know helping the other two midfielders it was the case on the last game to press and control the middle when we play in a back four I need to be more centrally and covering space that probably the full backs will, will leave so it's it changed a bit, but the principles are exactly the same, you know. Try to get the ball and, and feed, you know, the strikers and the wingers and the fullbacks to join the attack and stay behind the ball and try to organise, you know, when we don't have the ball. You're third in the league. What's changed this season, Lucas, to make the team appear so confident? I think if you get from January, our record is, is quite good. I think uh, we, we understand the way Brenda wants us to play. And of course, with uh, a few players coming in, helped us to strengthen the squad. That's been the key. And of course, last season, we spoke a lot about consistency. And that's what we're trying to have uh, this season. You know, it's still early, but uh, we already are showing that we, we are a very good team that is difficult to beat as well. So we just just hope that we will keep it like that and the next game will be the big one for us to step again and, and show we
we are a team that we will be ready to compete until the end. Yeah, Arsenal at the Emirates on Saturday, the start of a, a, an interesting run of fixtures. Do, do you feel you're, you're entering a, a key period in the season right now? I think so. Of course, we, we have uh, difficult games, especially towards the end of the year, where we, we have a lot of games in a short period of time. And now Arsenal, you know, it will be a big test for us. We we could beat United at home, but it will be our first, let's say, big game against title contenders, let's say, and away from home. So it will be a big test for us to see how we will play. But the confidence and the, the belief here is very good. So we just hope that we keep doing what we are doing, really. And especially if we could play the same way we did the last game, I think we'll have a big chance. And, uh, and of course, Arsenal will play well because you know they are in a good form they have a lot of players that uh, can change the game and, uh, and we have just to be aware of that and Lucas just on a slightly different topic we're going to hear from Peter Schmeichel later in the show he's going to tell us about a pre-season tour of Japan making him realize just how big the Barclays Premier League is outside the United Kingdom you travel with Liverpool to Asia and Australia in the summer did you get a sense of the magnitude of the BPL when you were there? Yeah, I think that's why the Premier League is the best uh, league in the world, I think, because we have a lot of teams that compete for the title and for the top four, but also people around the world watch the Premier League. I've been recently in, in, in China with Brazil and uh, it's, uh, it's just incredible how much they love to watch the Premier League and how much they follow the English team. So that's why we, you know, when we get on the pitch, I realize how, for how many people we are playing and how many people are watching us. So that's why it's uh, such a good league to play and that's why as well everyone wants to come to the Premier League. And just a final point, Lucas, this is now your seventh season at Liverpool what does it mean to you to play for a club with such history and, and such tradition it means a lot you know something that I always wanted and I achieved it and my seventh season and I feel home really because my family are very settled very happy and I I know everyone I have a lot of friends on the city and just something that uh, I really wanted when I was a kid and now I'm trying to enjoy every single minute because I know it won't be forever but I will try to make the most of it. At the moment, I can see that, you know, my future is, is, uh, is very long uh, with the club. Lucas, great pleasure to talk ah. to you. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Ah, thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Lucas Lever, who's uh, been established now since 2007, in, in some ways, I mean, it's an integral role that he plays and perhaps quite easy to overlook it at times. What he does, I think you've got to put it in context. You don't play in Brazil's side unless you're a special player. I thought he did catch the eye at the weekend, but he's very, very capable of passing it short, passing it long, but he also, he knows how to play the role. He talked about in the interview, he's, he's now wasn't as defensively need to be responsible because of three at the back. He could be more aggressive, and so he was. And I think he's very intelligent. He's football smart, and I think that's why he's such an important foil for Steven Gerrard and the other players around him. And you look at Liverpool without them, they're not the same side. And in terms of quality goals, the four that they scored on Saturday will take some beating, oh, won't they? Just the manner of the goals they can score. Suarez can score every type of goal. And I think Sturridge is showing the same. I mean, he's, you don't get better than that. That's a fantastic piece of, one, awareness, two, execution. So we've talked about them being the best partnership 
in the Barclays Premier League. I think they have a great connection to be able to do magical things out of nothing. If anyone keeps them quiet, I think that's when Liverpool will struggle. At the moment, that doesn't look likely. And on the face of it, losing 4-1 doesn't sound great, but were West Brom actually a little better than that scoreline might suggest? Yeah, I think they come up against two strikers who, who missed nothing, took every chance. That can happen. You know, West Brom, I think, are a side that can look to be comfortably mid-table. I just like the, what it's about. I also thought Brendan Rodgers' team shape, the way he went about it and said, listen, we'll deal with their forwards. You go and press them high. I think Steve Clark wasn't expecting that. He thought it'd be we attack, you attack. They really put a full press on West Brom. And to be honest, they couldn't really cope at times. Well, coming up, we'll hear from David Moyes on what could be a turning point in his Manchester United career. You're listening to the official Barclays Premier League podcast with Marcus Buckland. Welcome back. I'm here with Ian Dowie as we review the weekend's action and on to Manchester United, whose saviour this week was striker Javier Hernandez. The Mexicans' late header giving United a 3-2 win against Stoke after twice going behind at Old Trafford. Another fantastic match, again, so unpredictable in so many ways. Given Stoke's record at Old Trafford historically, you know, this is... You know, of course, Mark Hughes' side set his team up really well, but I've got to say it was a worrying first-half display in terms of the intensity, the temper of the game, the keeping of the ball, even some of their individual ability let them down. They look a disjointed side. And at the moment, I think he's struggling to find his best 11. I mean, the game changes when Yanazai and Hernandez in, there's no doubt about it. Well, David Moyes admitted afterwards that his players did have to really raise their game. We got ourselves a goal down, then got ourselves back in it, only to find ourselves 2-1 down, get in at the break. So it was a big challenge for the players to make sure they got out and won the game. But uh, they've done it. They showed great energy after their midweek game to go out and keep going right to the end. So let's hope, hope that uh, we just keep winning. We won in midweek, we won again today. I understand you've got to do it with a bit of style here, but the players certainly done it with style in the last 15-20 minutes today, that's for sure. Could prove to be hugely significant. Would it be fair to say that had they lost that match, their title hopes would have ended in October? Well, close to it, given really lost to a big rival in, in Man City. I just think you've got to give David Moyes time to put his stamp on the team, a new chief executive. I think they've clearly admitted mistakes in the transfer window. There's no doubt they need a fresh impetus of blood. He needs to put his stamp on the, on the team. And I think he needs to do that by bringing in players. I really do. I'm not sure the current cop of players is good enough to go on and win it this year. I really believe that. I think he does need a fresh injection because you've got people coming to the end. Vidic and Ferdinand are coming towards the end of their career. And at the moment... Jones, Smalling and Johnny Evans don't look quite good enough. Eighth in the table, eight points off the top at the moment. Obviously, they've got quality up front. Rooney and Van Persie both scored. We touched on Suarez and Sturridge. If you were managing a side, which combination would you select out of those two? Last year, I'd have said Rooney and Van Persie, and even this earlier this season, I'd probably change that now. I'm not sure they have that same synergy at the moment. I think they can do them at the peak of their powers, I think they're a better partnership, Van Persie and Rooney. But at the moment, Suarez and Sturridge are better. And a word about Stoke, who started the season brightly under Mark Hughes, this, this new era for the club. But recent results have obviously gone against them. Presumably, it's far too early to start panicking. Yeah, far too early to start panicking. But also, he desperately needed them goals. You know, if they hadn't have scored there, it was a worrying return. And in the end, this is not a criticism of Mark Hughes in the slightest, Tony Pulis found a way to get results. You know, they scored two goals away at Old Trafford and didn't get a result. Mark's got to find a way just to get results. The home games are really vital for Stoke because away from home, they've always been very fragile. Well, in a couple of weeks' time, United host Arsenal and the Gunners are still the team to beat after a 2-0 win at managerless 
Crystal Palace, keeping them on top of the Barclays Premier League. Ian, we'll talk more about your old club in a moment, but as far as Arsenal were concerned, everyone expected them to run away with the game. Wasn't that comfortable a win in the end, was it? I thought they were quite a pedestrian display. Didn't move the ball with any tempo. Giroud is providing a shining light lots of times. I thought his, his movement was excellent, even even in a, in a poorish display. It wasn't a good display, but that's how far Arsenal have come a little bit. They've gone away to potentially a difficult place. I've seen Palace, who, who I thought had a good response given the week they'd had, could have had some opportunities. Chesney makes a couple of very decent saves, in my opinion, and they find a way to win. Ozil off colour, Ramsey not quite what he was. They didn't play great, but they, they won the game, and I think that's vital at this stage of the season. Winning the way is very important. It sets up a fantastic weekend in Cat with Liverpool. And obviously they're unbeaten since the opening day of the season. How would you compare this Arsenal side with the Invincibles of a decade ago? No, you can't compare the two. Not for me. I really don't, I think. If you put these two sides together, I do think the Invincible side win and, and win comfortably. So still work for Wenger to do. Of course, as we mentioned, Palace parted ways with uh, Ian Holloway. He admitted he wasn't good enough. Now, you mentioned at the start of the programme that perhaps he'll look back and think he left too early. It's, it's, it's a strange yeah. scenario at the club right now, isn't it? Yeah, the contrast, if you looked, listen to the press conference, Ian Holloway was saying, I brought too many players and the next ones. And then the chairman was saying, I didn't like what I see. We need to make a change. I thought it was awkward. Ian Holloway's a very capable manager. I think he's a good inspirer of players. And, and for me, it was too early. You know, sometimes when you have a defeat like that in the manner of it, it can make you feel so down. He didn't have a support structure that made him revitalise to go in the next day and lift the dressing room. That's what that was about. I think if he if reflected over a couple of days, he may well have not made that decision. I think sometimes you act in haste, you repent at your leisure. I mean, he's very brave to do what he did in the way he went about it. But I think he is a very good manager and deserved more time. If I had been the chairman, I'd say, come on in. We believe in you, you're here, we've got players. OK, we may have made some mistakes in the market. Let's focus, get ourselves to Christmas, let's stay in there. That's what I'd have been saying because, you know, you've got another manager coming in, changing the way in which at least they understand what he's about. His staff, that could be a whole change of staff. That takes three or four weeks. Palace haven't got that. Well, their standing manager is Keith Millen and he believes that the squad has enough to stay up. I was very proud to be in charge today and lead the lads out and I was even prouder with players' performance. It wasn't for me, it was about their pride and playing for the fans and I think the fans appreciated the, the effort and commitment the players showed today. They know if they keep going like that, I think they'll get points. Now, whether we can get enough points, you don't know, do you? But you have to just work from week to week and enjoy what you're doing. And I think they did that today. Well, they're bottom eight defeats from nine. Realistically, is there any hope for Yeah, I think there's, there's hope. It was a big blow to go bottom, for sure. But then they're not cast adrift. It's only eight games gone. They had some opportunities where they could have gotten a... You know, if that's at a yard either side of Chesney, they may be 1-0 up. And there's a whole different feel about the place. You just need to get a result. One away from home and two at home to get another win. They got the one against Sunderland, that was with the sending off. But get a win against an 11 and find a way of generating a bit of belief in the camp. But, you know, they've got leaders in the team in Jedinak. I think he's a very, very good player. It's the balance of going forward. You know, you do need the Williamses and the Murrays back. You know, you need Balassie back to full fitness. They're very important players. Just before we get to our half-time tweets, we'll touch on Tottenham, who moved up to fourth in the Barclays Premier League after a fourth 1-0 win of the season, this time against Hull City at White Hart Lane. Roberto Soldado scoring from the penalty spot, his fourth league goal of the season, and manager Andre Villas-Boas heaped praise on his summer signing. Yeah, great uh, finish, so cool, uh, particularly at that time, you know, with the levels of anxiety that uh, were present in this uh, ground. It was so cool to make that finish. 
they came here with a good strategy, nothing different than other teams have done here, just uh, defend and uh, tweet us in the counter. Very difficult to, to break them. I think the, the thing that we did different than um, the game against West Ham is uh, we waited patiently for our opportunity. Very good penalty finish, but on the face of it, rather fortunate to get one in the first place. Oh, not a penalty, but Steve Bruce had a fortunate penalty a little while ago and, and, and also could have conceded a really a blatant one. But when you look at that in isolation, it wasn't a penalty. But I like Steve Bruce's formation. The five allowed Townsend to come into bodies, very much like what Mourinho did with Messi when he was at Inter Milan. Let him come into bodies, let Townsend run into... And as a result, they lacked that penetration, but they won the game. You know, whatever you say, they're not looking like can see that any time soon. Watching periods of the game, it did look like it was quite anxious. But someone says there was, there was only two attempts on target. They're that good a squad. People are going to come and say, right, break us down. Hull still in the top ten. Pretty solid first nine games. How do you see them developing from here on in? I look at particularly one player in, in Curtis Davis and how, you know, he had the up and down time at a lot of clubs, but he looks like he's emerging as a player who can certainly cope at this level. I, I just like their setup's good. I haven't spent, a, you know, in terms of a whole lot of money. I thought Huddleston was excellent. You had Livermore to that. It gives a bit more legs. So he'll be really pleased with that display because they gave a very good Spurs side very little opportunity. And it augurs well for going away from home, but also at home they do seem to play a little bit more expansive. So they look the most likely to stay up. Yeah, seem to be getting the balance right. Well, we're halfway through the show and there's plenty more to come. We'll bring you an exclusive interview from arguably the Barclays Premier League's greatest ever goalkeeper, Peter Schmeichel, and we'll hear more from the most relieved manager in the top flight. I did enjoy it. When I saw the four minutes extra time, I nearly had a heart attack. But first, it's time for our halftime tweets. Fernando Torres' late winner for Chelsea certainly made his teammate Eden Hazard's day. Good game, good win, good fans. It was a good day. Thanks for your support. Good night. Another striker made the headlines at the weekend with his first hat-trick, prompting Liverpool teammate Glenn Johnson to tweet, great three points today, Luis Suarez was on fire. Rio Ferdinand was an impressed spectator after Manchester United came from behind twice to beat Stoke. Wayne Rooney, class and man of the match. Yanazai, an inspired substitution. De Gea, a couple of great saves. And Chikorito, he did what he does best. He scored. While Rio still has to watch from the sidelines, Aaron Lennon returned to a winning Spurs side. Had to grind out the win today. He said it's never easy after a European game away, but a win is a win. It's great to be back after two months out. Hashtag tired legs. A late goal also decided the Northeast derby as American Jose Altidore helped Sunderland to get their first three points of the season. Great to get the first win. Fantastic support from the fans as usual. And Crystal Palace fan Michael Leighton remained upbeat even after defeat to Arsenal. He tweeted a ton of positive from today's game despite the result a good advert for the club when we needed it most remember you can keep up to date with everything that's going on in the BPL by following at Barclays footy on Twitter hashtag you are football It is a packed podcast this week and still to come all the reaction from one of the most dramatic time weird derbies in years. But first, to compliment our new You Are Football advert, thanking Barclays Premier League fans around the world, we've been speaking exclusively to Danish goalkeeping legend Peter Schmeichel about his experiences abroad as a player and how overseas fans view the English top flight. Our reporter Nick Moore began the interview by asking Schmeichel how committed he thinks overseas fans are to watching the Barclays Premier League. I see this quite a lot because I work as an ambassador for Manchester United and I, my work is away from the UK and wherever I, I am with the football club I'm amazed at how enthusiastic and 
committed people are to not only to Manchester United but to the Barclays Premier League as well. I was in Africa and Ghana. It was this big gala dinner. So a lot of Manchester United supporters there, yes, of course. But you saw Chelsea shirts, you saw Arsenal shirts, you saw Liverpool shirts, you saw Tottenham. Basically, every Barclays Premier League team was represented. And instead of wearing the black tie, they, they, they bring their, their, their favourite club shirt. That's just an example of, you know, how important that the Barclays Premier League is to people uh, around the globe. And obviously with the ad, I think it brings it home. It's so spot on, this ad. I really like this ad. I got a little bit emotional when I saw that because it's so well produced and the storyline is so so good. But I, I see this when I travel. This is what people do. They go to extraordinary length just to get to a TV set so they can watch the game. And that's, that's what the Barclays Premier League does to people around the world. Can I find anything, I mean anything from any lease of life that has such a universal effect on people? I, I haven't come up with anything. I don't think there is anything out there which, you know, come any, anywhere near how important the Barclays Premier League is. Moving on to the, the spirit of the game, you played in some sides that had just unbelievable fighting spirit. What do you think epitom- epitomise those United qualities? Where did they come from? First of all, you need someone right at the top who understands a, a gamble can pay off. I've had managers who wouldn't accept me going up for a corner kick at the end. But with Sir Alex, it was never an issue. I don't think he's ever seen a goalkeeper go up, but I, th- I think when the first time he saw me come up for a corner at the end, I think instantly he, he appreciated that was well worth the risk. As long as you carry on, as long as you wait for that final whistle, there's always a chance. What does playing football the right way mean to you? Ideally, I would like team that I love, Manchester United, to play beautiful football, attacking football, with a variation of keeping the ball, being direct, mixed up with individual skills at the highest level, and then winning games. But when I cut to the chase, I just want my team to win games. (laughs) And it's become more and more important. It's not everybody who has that mentality that they can do all the things at once. It's not, you don't find a Gary Neville on every street corner. Someone who, his biggest talent was, was his will to become a football player and because he wanted it so much he became an unbelievable football player but when you look at his skill set it's and I'm not insulting him by by saying that but it's it's pretty basic but he understood everything he understood if I if I work out this relationship with David Beckham and I support him in what is his weak sides then he can support me in what's my weak side and the understanding that we will have between us that can create something is, is there a current player out there in the, in the Barclays Premier League that you know, sums up that spirit? I think there's a lot of them. Mm. And someone like Frank Lampard, you know, yeah. has always been, uh, and Steven Gerrard as well. Always, I think they've been fantastic ambassadors for, for football and the Barclays Premier League and English football. And these are guys who, they started their careers when the, when the real money started to come in to the game. And with these guys, they're humble. They don't get carried away. You don't read about them doing all kinds of silly stuff. They're still young people. They're still doing what young people should do and have been doing what young people should do. But they've always been respectful to football, to the football clubs and, and to their supporters. Are you enjoying this season? Is it nice seeing so many teams in contention or are you not enjoying it because you're not having a bit not, down there? I have to be completely honest. I think the Barclays Premier League now is what it should be. It should be that... Have that uncertainty. Even though I'm a big, 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 big mess in Man United fan, and I'd like us to win it every year, I, I think for the for the greater good, the competition is much better. And what what happens with competition and Manchester United is that when the bar's raised, we always raise our game. 
and we, we adapt to that. And it makes Manchester United much better. Because of the retirement of Sir Alex, we've seen everybody else trying to raise the bar for themselves, but also catching up to Manchester United. And I think for the greater good of the Barclays Premier League, and for the greater good of the next five or six years, this is this is good this is good stuff. I can accept a season where we, we are on the front runners and maybe won't end up winning the championship as long as we win participation in the Champions League next year. I can accept that because I can see beyond this season and I can see that, you know, David Moyes needs time and all that. And I can see that we get it right because Manchester United is Manchester United and they get it right. Yeah. Which United player was the most obsessed with football? Gary Neville. Predictable answer. <laughs> and do you know who was number two? Go on. Phil Neville. Phil Neville. <laughs> and number three? Yeah. Nev Neville. <laughs> How remarkable is it to see Ryan Giggs still going? This is my season number 14 not playing for Manchester United. Number 14. And Ryan Giggs made his debut four months before I arrived. That just, that's for me, is just putting things into perspective, right? He deserves everything he's got because he's, he's been working really hard. He's kept his head low for most of his career. And I think he's, yeah, he's been an absolutely unbelievable player. So Alex is never yeah. going to be, never, ever. And Ryan Giggs is never going to be beaten either. Last one, how highly do you rate Christian Eriksen? And are there any other young Danes yeah. that we should be keeping our eyes on that you know you're know, really, a great find? This is, this is, you know, it's such a great, uh, great question to get. Because with Christian, we all, we all knew how well he was doing with Ajax. And I had a long conversation with Corey this, this uh, two or three weeks after he came to Tottenham about Christian Eriksen. And they basically built the team around him. He's always reminded me of Michael Lauto. From the very first time I saw him, his movements, the way he passed the ball. And Michael played with some incredible players, which made great player even greater. Peter Schmeichel talking to Barclays reporter Nick Moore. I'm Marcus Buckland alongside Ian Dowie. And Ian, listening to Schmeichel, it does make you realise the lengths that people go to overseas to watch the BPL. Without doubt. I mean, it's quite incredible. It's just almost a frenzy when the, when the weekends come around. Everyone throughout the world, makes a special effort to watch it. And I think rightly so, because it provides a different entertainment. You can see other leagues where there are magnificent games, but every game has something different to it, whether that be a relegation battle or a top of the table or, or a mixture of both. There's, there's, there's entertainment galore. And the people, the way in which they, they find a way to set up that atmosphere and try and recreate in the grounds, incredible. Mm. Well, there was no shortage of entertainment and drama in the Tyne Weir Derby, where Fabio Barini's late strike helped Sunderland beat Newcastle 2-1, securing a first win of the the season to lift them off the bottom of the table. We'll hear from Barini in a moment. First, the Black Cats' new manager, Gus Poyet, on his first victory. Well, I think everything is, is big today. It's the, it's the first win, which is key. You know, you need to start winning football games against the biggest rivals in my first home game. Somehow, <laughs> somehow, because sometimes it's not about playing well these games, it's about winning. And I'm, I'm sure that at least for the next few days, you know, the fans are going to be delighted. If we needed something, it's a win against against Newcastle. So now there is no excuses. We need to go next week and put an even better performance and start adding points to the to the table. Lots of the work we've done is because of him and he came in and gave us the enjoyment we needed and and obviously the football. So now it's take a little bit of time to improve again, but that's a great first step. Doesn't get much better than that, does it? Stunning winning goal, victory against your arch rivals. When he reflects in the cold light of day, 
he'll know that in an anxious performance from his team, they kept the ball really poorly. They defended for their lives. Lots of energy. You know, he got a response from the players. There was a tremendous work ethic. They'll need more than that, though. I watched the game very closely. Concern about the way they kept the ball. Even some of their better players struggled for me. Uh, but, and it's a huge but, confidence can make a different player. That result against their arch rivals, it lifts the whole spirit of the town. They'll get a massive following next time around. But as he said, we had to win the game. They'd done it. Can ask no more on a brilliant start for Gus Poy. And Barini came off the bench, oh. scored the winner, and then said that he'd visualised doing this. As a striker, did you go through that visualisation? Yeah, process? I always visualised it. It never quite happened, though. That's the only thing. But um, everyone talks about, you know, the sports psychology. If you had a player going for a poor spell, you put together a video of all these good bits and let him watch it. You know, visual, you always try and visualise you get an opportunity in a game and how you're going to strike the ball. And it is a wonderful strike. Barini, who looked bright and did play in that position before Liverpool signed him, he never plays the out centre forward. He played wide one side, looked really bright. And, you know, that, that's a game-changing moment in any season-changing moment as well and who knows where that might lead to well one lifelong Sunderland fan will have more reason than most to remember Barini's late winner 87 year old George Forster's dedication to the club was rewarded by Barclays with VIP tickets for him and 40 family and friends to watch the derby and George who's also the voluntary chairman of the Sunderland AFC Supporters Association joins us now hi George a very good morning to you. It's a beautiful morning here in the northeast. And it must have been a beautiful day on Sunday. What a match to watch. It was absolutely, probably wasn't a great game. You know, it's all about points and we wish we're desperate indeed. And also, you know, just about one over our, on our rivals. It was one of the happiest days in my life. I'm delighted to hear that, George. I mean, was everyone in, in the VIP box jumping up and down when Barini scored that uh, fantastic winner? Yes, I was a bit slow off the mark. <laughs> Fair enough, you're 87. In ordinary games, I, I rarely get up and stand. I just sit there and let other people around me do all the, the standing up and the clapping. And there's just a smile crosses my face, that's all. Do you think that Gus Poet is now the man to lead you out of your perilous position? Well, the reason, well, I've got a little bit of a, a background information on him because I have a friend who lives in, in Mundelzee-on-Sea in Norfolk, but he supports Brighton. If only enough, he was on, on the telephone on Friday, and I think he was on the telephone half an hour, going over Poye. I thought Di Canio was going to be the manager, but um, I think this man is a, probably a little better at man management. Mm. I know that when Steve Bruce took over in 2009, he invited you over for a, a cup of tea. Yes. Uh, what was he like? I was very much impressed with Steve. I'm just sorry it didn't work out. I never brought in about him being uh, sort of a Newcastle supporter, if you like, because we can't help being where, where we're born. Uh, you'll not believe this, but one of my grandsons, he's a Newcastle supporter. Mm. It must have been difficult for them, you know, in their, in Morpeth, being a Sunderland supporter. And one last question. The 66-67 season, I believe you raised £750 for goalposts for the club, is that right? That's right. Do you know, at the time, I thought that there must be gold-plated. I really did. I thought, what an enormous amount of money. There were two sets of goals, one for the Washington Project, the training ground, and one for Roker Park. But since then, we must have given thousands and thousands of pounds in a way to the football club. But our last thing was... Yeah, you must know about the famous Hemi painting in the in the foyer. It's the biggest oil painting on football. It's called the, a corner kick, and it was our great games against Aston Villa. Oh, the hours I gave to raising that money, that just cost under £7,000. An awful lot of money in 1990. I like to think that our contribution at the time was vital to the football club. Believe it or not, no one gets paid here. 
You know, I'm just proud of having to serve. I'm the longest serving now. I think it would be July or August in 1965 when the association was started. I'm now, it's now my 48th year now. So I'm just hoping I can last another two. I'd like to clog up 50. If I can do that, I'd be very, very happy. George, you're an absolute credit to your club and to football, and it's a great pleasure to have spoken to you. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, thank you very much, Marcus. A pleasure to do it to you as well. That is 87-year-old George Forster. Ian, what a, an example of a fan who'll do anything for his yeah, club. Yeah, they're vital. And George has seen the club at its lowest ebb and yet now with a magnificent, shining, bright new stadium. He's been at Roker Park, I'm sure, many times and seen it. But now, almost like a spirit renewed after that result of the weekend. And that's what the club's about. People are prepared week in, week out to come support your club and clearly he loves the club and does so much off the field to help it succeed. So everyone in red and white smiling at the moment. Everybody in black and white will have quite long faces. How much is that defeat going to hurt Alan Pardew and co? Did they deserve to get some out of the game? Yes, was the answer. Of course they missed you know, without Colaccini, without Stephen Taylor, Yango and Biwa. I mean, it's a big blow. Um, I think young Dummett will come on and be a very good player, whether it be a left-back or a centre-back, I'm not sure. But lots of positives in the game. I thought Kabai was very good. Chiote was decent again, but they lost the game. I certainly don't think there's anything concerned. But Alan Pardew will have a concern in his mind about the manner of Cissé's second-half display, which he looked lacking in confidence, where at the moment you're not going to play him in the side. It looks like it's going to be Ben Arthur one side and Laurent Remy as a frontman, and I think rightly so. Well, next to two teams who are perhaps exceeding expectations after flying out of their blocks this season. Everton's 2-0 win at Aston Villa takes them up to sixth in the table, while a place above them are Southampton, who won 2-0 against Fulham at St Mary's. Let's begin with Southampton, who've made a better start than when the club had their best finish back in 1984. They were runners-up in the top flight then. Manager Maurizio Pochettino's response to all that Ian, statistics are evil. Clearly, he doesn't want anyone to get too carried away. No, but with all due respect, Fulham's away form has been fairly poor outside the Palace result. They tend to turn over a little bit, roll over when they're away from home, and that's a worry for Martin Yole. But Southampton are a very, very efficient side. Another clean sheet. They could have won by more. They're finding a way of that balance of bringing in expensive imports, if you like, Wanyama and and with the young lad. Ward-Prowse set pieces are excellent. Shaw looks arguably as good a left-back as there is in the country. Schneiderlin's good, and Rodriguez, a young man who spent seven million, but the blend looks really good, and I love the way they go about it. The acid tests are yet to come, but they can do no more than they've done thus far. And I do think ninth, eighth, maybe seventh is somewhere they can pitch for. Well, Jay Rodriguez scored the second goal, and he was then asked about Pochettino starting with no fewer than six English players. We're focused on what we what we are working on. The, the gaffer's got us working. The belief in in the team is, is showing, and I think we're going to carry on. The team spirit we've got, like you said, the lads, the English players are unbelievable. Like Ricky, we learned so much from him. You know, um, he comes back from uh, the international break. He's just a great player to play with. Same with Adam Lana. He's an unbelievable talent. You just learn so much from players like that. Well, Ian, you mentioned the defensive record. They've only conceded three league goals. You're saying seventh, eighth and ninth. Uh, inevitably, there'll be some Southampton fans who are going to start looking at a top four finish now, aren't they? I think the chairman would fancy that. I mean, he clearly is a very ambitious man. They've got the potential to get in the top echelons of the division because they've got a touch of belief and that defensive record is such an important part of it. Yeah, well, they've already gone to Liverpool and Manchester United and exceeded expectation. As for Fulham, here's a stat they uh, will not be proud of. They became the first side not to have a shot on goal in the first half of a league match this season. They picked up a couple of wins prior to that game, but of course the pressure's going to go straight back onto Martin Yell's shoulders now, isn't it? Yeah, it was. I think it was only one defeat in five before that, but it was the manner of it. Clearly there's, there's pressure building. I don't quite understand why. I mean, there's, there's talk of dressing room unrest, which I don't like. You know, there are all these faceless people who seem to say these things to the media, but Martin Yell knows his way around it. It looks like he's getting his best players back. The balance is, can he go with a Ruiz 
uh, Berbatov and Bent in the same side. Judging by that at the weekend, no, he needs, some, he needs to get another body in there. Well, Everton, meanwhile, beat Aston Villa 2-0 to continue their strong start to the season. It was billed as the battle of the Belgian strikers. But in the first half, at least, it became a contest between the two American goalkeepers. And Everton boss Roberto Martinez thought Tim Howard's performance was key. I think it's one of those significant moments. I think keeping a clean sheet is very, very important and you need the whole team for that. But I thought Tim Howard today was sensational. The team probably we were a little bit going through motions or we started a little bit slow. He was there to maintain the standards and we got him to thank him for, for a very important clean sheet and, and therefore to give us a very strong start in the game. Team was was magnificent today. Of course, the strikers usually grab the headlines, but both the keepers looked pretty useful, didn't they? Yeah, stunning. Two stunning saves, one from each, but Tim Howard, his two one-on-ones are also very telling, stood up, made the defender make a decision. For me, that's what good keepers do, plus the penalty save. If you make a save that you're not expected to, and I think the more I look at that, the better it gets. You know, that, that they're saves that you don't expect your keepers to make. In the end, Everton's better team ethic, I thought, was just that they grew into the game, Everton. Villa should have been out of sight, but when you don't take your chances and the crowd get anxious, I think they fed off that Everton, deservedly won the game. It was Lukaku's 50th Barclays Premier League match in his 22nd goal, his fifth in as many matches. Um, He just seems to get better and better week in, week out. He's blistering quick. He seems to have good game awareness. He finds little pockets in the box. He's brave. You add that with the addition of the experience of Barry, who again plays key role at key times in the game. It's been a brilliant window for Everton. And another team that, you know, talk about Southampton, Everton could be looking at maybe higher than six, maybe looking at Champions League. There's no reason why. I mean, you know, they've got key games out. I think they've got the derby coming up soon. If they were to win that, I think people would really reevaluate how good Everton are. And if you're Paul Lambert, do you go away thinking, well, we could have been 3-0 up in the first half? Or do you dwell on the fact that it's now 16 matches at home without a clean sheet? Publicly, you talk about they uh, th- could have been three about half time. Privately, you'd be thinking it's a worry. They need to be better defensively. It's all getting bodies behind the ball. We've got to mark men, and they didn't do that well enough. Well, they have faced six of last season's top seven teams. They've got West Ham, Cardiff, and West Brom to come next. So perhaps a chance for Villa to climb the table. Uh, just two more games to wrap up before we take a look at this weekend's fixtures Swansea against West Ham, Norwich against Cardiff, both finishing goalless. In a fifth clean sheet for West Ham out of nine, but obviously scoring goals is becoming a major issue for Big Sam at the moment. Sam talking about the positives in it and he doesn't get it. It's a very, very good point away there. He's found a way of doing that at lots of difficult places. He kept clean sheets in five of the games and he's, he makes the point himself. A goal wins them games. Trouble is, they need to start doing that. They haven't had enough attempts on target. He's clearly hamstrung with it, the Andy Carroll scenario now. He's brought Carlton Cole in. I thought gave him a lot more punch. Should have maybe scored. But as a result of that, you're not getting the same because of that fulcrum, the front fulcrum. You're missing out. I just think he needs to, he needs to get Andy Carroll back and quick. As for Swansea, uh, Michael Ladrup made nine changes from the team that played in Europe last week. Only one win in their last 10 home matches. So how would you assess their progress this season? I think he's worked really well in the market, but they've got to, they've got to find some of that fluence that they get away from home at home. It, it seems they struggle to break sides down when they sit in. Meanwhile, at Carrow Road, another superb goalkeeping display, uh, this time from Cardiff's David Marshall, denying Norwich a win in their first Barclays Premier League meeting. Here's the Bluebirds boss, Malky Mackay. He's a top goalkeeper and um, he did what he had to do today. There was you know, stuff, it was a lot of long-range stuff, but he had to make sure that he saved them as and when they, they came in. I thought it was a good point for us, playing against a team here who, who at home, you know, are absolutely the crowd behind.
behind him. I, I know that well in terms of being up and at it. And we had, we came away with a clean sheet today, and it's it's uh, five points away from home now. So I'm delighted with that in terms of the the way the, the team defended. Well, Marshall was outstanding against Spurs a few weeks ago. He's obviously going to be a, a key part of their campaign. A campaign that maybe is shrouded in uncertainty uh, after their start to the season. Ian. Yeah, I for one thought they would be the most likely to stay up. I'm not sure sure now. And look at the contrast in in Marshall's display from one week to another. Maybe a hand for all four goals and then all of a sudden now producing a display at the top draw. I've got to say he's been a big positive, but they need to find what they had in the early part. They were difficult to break down. I'm not sure they were difficult to break down at the weekend. Norwich deserved to win the game and Cardiff have got bits to do and Norwich must find goals. I mean, it's becoming a, a real problem for them. Yeah, it's interesting because, for example, the game against Chelsea, Norwich played really well, but they lost yep. and they played well at the weekend, but they only drew. drew. So, mm. so how concerned are you about them? Well, I'm not concerned about them. I, I do think it's madness if you're talking about Chris Hutton's position because that was the hardest job in football when he took over after Paul Lambert, the job he did. I think Chris has done a remarkable job. He needs to stick to his beliefs, Chris, and I think he will. OK, let's take a, a quick look at next weekend's fixtures in the Barclays Premier League. The Saturday lunchtime match, Newcastle against Chelsea, then Stoke v Southampton, West Brom at home to Crystal Palace, West Ham v Aston Villa, Fulham against Manchester United, Hull host... Sunderland, Manchester City meet Norwich and at 5.30 Saturday afternoon that Arsenal-Liverpool game. Two matches on Sunday, Everton against Spurs and then Cardiff versus Swansea. So which of those stand out for you? Oh, I mean, I've got a real feeling for, for, for lots of the games but I just think you can't look further than Arsenal-Liverpool. You have to look at that. And then I'm looking at Everton-Tottenham. I think that's a fantastic game. I really do. Yeah, some really interesting fixtures. We may learn a lot more about Arsenal and Liverpool and Everton and Tottenham. And the first ever top-flight match between two Welsh sides. There'll, there'll be no lack of passion when Cardiff take on Swansea, I suspect. <laughs> I think that's that's an understatement. I mean, what that means to both sides is, is huge, clearly. The ability for one side to, to have bragging rights, I think it's very much more important for Cardiff at this stage of the season. Swansea look a very well settled and a very well established Premier League side but, but Malky I think they need this bit of belief and I think a result against Swansea would give them that OK we'll get five predictions from you mm. Ian please in the form of yes or no answers yep. will Spurs win 1-0 for the fifth time this season when they travel to Everton no will Dimitar Berbatov score against his former club Manchester United at Craven Cottage no will Steve Bruce's Hull take all three points against his old club Sunderland at the KC yes. Will Arsenal still be top of the table after Liverpool's visit on Saturday yes. evening? And will Cardiff take the spoils against Swansea? No. Thank you very much. Pleasure. <laughs> and that is about it for this week. Before we go, have a go at this week's trivia teaser. With goal-scoring keeper Peter Schmeichel appearing on this week's show, we want you to name the three other goalkeepers who have scored in the Barclays Premier League. If you think you know the answer, tweet it to at Barclays Footy or post it onto the Barclays Football Facebook page and we will reveal the answers on the site later in the week. We'll be back next week to debate all the action from the Barclays Premier League, including that huge Saturday evening clash between Arsenal and Liverpool and that clash involving Cardiff and Swansea. But until then, from Ian Dowie and me, Marcus Buckland, goodbye. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Barclays Premier League, brought to you by Barclays.